Welcome to the Soul Fit Labs podcast with your hosts, Stephen Haar and Laura Lucas. We're here to guide you on your fitness journey, educate you in the process, and turn your passion into purposeful action. Whether you've never stepped into a gym or if you've made fitness into a career of your own, this podcast will be your go-to stop for all things health and fitness. Here, we give you actionable steps and pro tips on how to lose weight, effectively train your body, improve your energy, sleep quality, and mental focus. We created this podcast to give you free access to some of our personalized health coaching, bodybuilding, and weight loss courses, where we use a holistic approach to sculpt your body, feed your soul, and upgrade your mindset. So stick with us if you're ready to become a master on health and fitness with Laura, myself, and some of the best industry leaders we know. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Soul Fit Labs podcast. So in keeping with our sort of diet-related theme, today's topic is not necessarily going to be a diet per se, but more of a lifestyle. I'm talking about intermittent fasting. And if you pay any attention at all, i.e. don't live under a rock, then you've certainly heard the term intermittent fasting or maybe IF for an abbreviation. But basically today we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive. It's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? A little bit of a deep dive into what is intermittent fasting? Um, when might you want to apply it? What types of people is it good for? And basically, why is it the best thing since sliced bread? <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people have heard of this intermittent fasting thing. Like you wait to eat till noon and then you stop eating at a certain time period. And the question is like, why might you want to try it? And, um, and how would you even get started? And is there only one way to intermittent fast? Uh, basically any, we all fast. That's the, that's the thing. Every single night when you go to bed and you stop eating, you are in a fasted state and the second you wake up and you have breakfast, you are breaking your fast, hence why it's called breakfast. So technically we all do it. It's a very natural thing. And it's also the easiest, the easiest thing for weight loss, because obviously if you're not eating, you're probably going to be losing weight, right? So fasting is very intriguing for someone that wants to try some sort of fat loss diet. Um, and I'm excited to talk about this today because I... I've, I've tried intermittent fasting in the past, was not a fan and was like, okay, this is, this is awful. <laughs> and then I tried it again recently after reading a book by Jen, Steve, Jen Stevens, Jen Steffens, <laughs> Steffens or Stevens, but the book is called Fast Feast Repeat. And it was just released this month of this year, July, 2020, I'm sorry, June, June, 2020, just released. And she goes over all, a lot of research and um, case studies and her experience with doing intermittent fasting and listening to her talk. I was like intrigued, you know, by the research and by her personal journey of all the diets she tried and finally finding intermittent fasting and this being the diet that she stuck to. So if any of you guys, you know, want to take anything short out of this podcast is basically go check out that book, Fast Feast Repeat. And it'll tell you everything you need to know, all the ins and outs of fasting, how to get started, the different versions, and all the research behind why it might be beneficial. So the reason why I decided to listen to that book was because I've always had this inclination, inclination this inkling, this odd feeling that I'm pre-diabetic. <laughs> and Stephen and I have an Despite inclination. your most recent tests saying otherwise. <laughs> <Yeah>. and- <laughs> 
And I think I called that one yeah. for the record. Yeah. I, so I, we have this running joke that I have diabetes because I'm like, I don't tolerate carbs very well. And I don't know, I get like... You know, it's, it's basically just turned into, I had a bad days. It's, it's, it's my diabetes. <laughs> it's my diabetes. That's why I'm craving carbs today. <laughs> the excuse for, for all life's problems have become diabetes. <laughs> That's why I'm tired. That's why I'm craving sugar. And I'm like, well, and for me too, it runs in my family. Like I have a lot of family members who are overweight and very unhealthy. And uh, my grandma passed away from diabetes. So it's always been something that's like in my life. And, uh, so that, that was something I was intrigued by. And anything that can prevent diabetes or prevent people from becoming pre-diabetic is something that I'm interested in. So when I heard about intermittent fasting being a way to reduce your blood sugar levels and um, potentially reverse diabetes, I was interested. And, um, and then after reading more about it, I was like, I think I might even want to try this. And and once I did, I haven't been doing it for long because I just read this book and I've only been doing it probably for a week and a half now where I'll try and push my eating window uh, to a smaller time period. And I've noticed that it's actually very easy for me to go for 16 hours without food in my system doing what Jen Stevens has referred to as a clean fast, which is what I didn't do in the past. So when you are fasting... You were not supposed to put anything in your body other than water, black coffee, black tea, un unflavored tea. And that's because you don't want to trigger insulin or any, um, you don't want to give your body any energy or sense that it has energy incoming because you want your body to be in a fat burning mode. So it takes your body some time to get into that fat burning mode because usually what we're doing throughout the day is we're eating and we're, you know, having a snack, having, a, having a meal. And then it's only when we're sleeping that we're fasting. But every night when you go to sleep, your body is doing tons of things behind the scenes to repair and regenerate your body, heal your muscle tissue, um, fight off infections or build muscle, um, <laughs> Our cat and dog is running around. <laughs> We've got the door open, so, so sorry, there's guys, just I'm a wild, wild animals coming in and out. <laughs> you guys can't see what's going on, but Peanut is being a distraction. So, um, where was I? Um, <laughs> I know what I was going to say next, but I forgot what you were saying. Something about fasting yeah, and the benefits of it, of extending it. Of what a true fast is and yeah, why it means truly yeah. eating nothing. Yeah, exactly what a true fast is. So what I was doing wrong in the past was I would have my bulletproof coffee in the morning, which would be usually a little bit of coconut oil mm. or collagen. Protein. So shots fired already. Yeah. And I was thinking because I'm ingesting per oil, fat doesn't spike your insulin. Right. So that's okay. It's barely any calories. So that's okay. Or what I would do is an energy drink or chew gum or a sugarless mint or mm -hmm. something. I would be putting something in my mouth that wasn't, you know, that had flavor to it and wasn't actually water. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, this was one of the, the more interesting facts that I learned more recently. It's that in order to create an insulin response in the body, it doesn't necessarily take anything that is even nutritive. It doesn't necessarily take calories. It can just be something that we perceive as, as caloric. So the most 
the easiest example that I can illustrate this with is really sugar. So if you mm-hmm. take that energy drink example and you're eating a zero sugar, zero calorie rock star, for example, which is something I personally love. Um, yes, he does. I can vouch that. <laughs> and you taste the, the sucralose and the ACE-K that's in there. That can actually have an insulin response. It can generate an insulin insulin response in the body mm-hmm. and basically have the same effect as if you had broken your fast. Now, mm-hmm. you're not ingesting calories. That's not going to lead to you know weight gain per se, so I don't want you to get the wrong idea there, but it's not a clean fast as far as the definition that we're giving you here is. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is really interesting because, you know, in Stephen and Mai's experience. It's just about sticking to your macros. We've talked to you about this before and you can technically have a sugar-free drink and a zero calorie non-nutritive food item like chewing gum or a mint or whatever. And you'd still lose weight because you'd still be in your calorie deficit. But if your goal is to fast and get the true benefits of fasting, and um, we'll talk about that, what those are in a second, if you really want to be in a true fasted state, you cannot be putting anything in your body that triggers insulin. No sweet taste, whether or not it's caloric, doesn't matter. You need to be drinking just um, water, essentially water, black coffee, and unflavored teas. Yeah. And for those of you that do love the bulletproof coffee and are going to stand behind the fact or not the fact, but the idea that fat does not raise your insulin, um, then I would just encourage you to think that insulin, it's a storage hormone, right? So anything you put in the body, including fat is going to take some, is going to raise your body's insulin levels to a degree because your body needs to get it out of the bloodstream. It needs to get to where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. So your body is going to release insulin to do that. Even yeah. if it's just a small amount. Right. Exactly. And some foods, you know, like if you eat a cookie, it's going to have a huge spike in insulin. Mm-hmm. But if you have a teaspoon of coconut oil in your coffee, still going to cause some insulin spike. So when you're in a fasted state, you basically want the opposite. You want your insulin levels to be so low that your body has to revert to its stored fat for energy. So it goes, you know, first it's going to break down all the sugar that's in your blood. Then it's going to break down all the sugar that's stored in your liver And at that point where you're completely depleted of all your stored sugar, then your body is going to go into a fasting mode. And research shows that for most people, in order to get to that point of complete depletion, you need to be fasting for about 18 hours. They say 18 to 20 hours. That can seem pretty intimidating, yeah? Yes, yes, exactly. And that's why we started with that. 18 to you know 20 hours sounds like a long time to go without food. But um, you can also do a shorter fast to really still get some of those benefits. It can even, it depends on the person. You can actually run out of your stored glycogen much sooner if you're someone who consumes a low carb diet or does any type of exercise. And um, for you, a 16 hour fast might be all that you need, or maybe even shorter. It could be 12 to 14 hours of a fast. And that's where it becomes very doable because, you know, most of us can not eat for 12 hours because you sleep for eight of those hours. And it's very easy to naturally be in a fasted state. So basically just sleep more. <laughs> Hibernation time. But no. yeah, that, that's a good point. Think of your exercise as speeding along that process too, because it's really just glycogen stores that we're trying to deplete. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what exercise does. Yeah. And so most people, they'll follow that 16-8 fasting because that's the most doable. So that means 16 hours where you fast eight hours where you eat. So a lot of people, they love the the time frame of noon to 8 PM. For me, that's like way too late. I couldn't do that. I usually stop eating at like six. So I would start eating at maybe. It's because you go to bed at eight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in bed at eight 30. So you go to bed 
Um, so you would eat a little bit earlier, you know, depending on when you wake up, you can choose. And if you're very new, you can kind of start with more of a 50, 50, right? 12 12, and 12. 12. Yeah. Yeah. And if you read that book, uh, fast feast repeat, she'll talk about all the different hours of which you can fast, but basically you work your way up, you know, fasting is a muscle kind of the way that you, you work any other muscle. You just kind of build it gradually until you get to a point where you realize your body doesn't need food every two to four hours. And this was really, this is why I was so excited to share this book with you guys is because I've always been someone that, you know, I liked the idea that you, you do smaller meals more frequently because that, that works. And for a lot of people, for thousands and thousands of people that works, but Intermittent fasting also works, you know, if you, um, and if you're someone that wants, we'll talk about those benefits in a second, but if you're someone that wants these benefits from fasting, then you might want to consider a long window of not eating. So let's go right into the benefits of why someone might want to not eat for 16 to 20 hours. It's spring cleaning time. Spring cleaning. Yeah. So it obviously makes sense why our body would start to, to turn to fat to burn when we're in a fasted state, right? But I think the sort of hidden gem in this whole intermittent fasting thing is what are the benefits beyond simple fat loss? And mm-hmm. I think we found there's a kind of a crazy amount, right? Right. And the biggest word that we're going to like teach you guys today is autophagy. Autophagy? Yeah. Phagy. Phagy. I still like, I don't know if I'm saying it right. It sounds so silly. Autophagy. But basically that just means cellular death. And like, um, auto means self. So I'm guessing phagy means destruction of some sort. Autophagy, self-destruction. I think it refers to like uptake. Uptake. So in this case, we're getting rid of dead cells. Okay. I should have looked this up, but I'm, (laughs) I'm imagining it to be like self-destruction of cells. So autophagy is basically your body's way of destroying the non-optimal cells in your body. So any cell that's functioning less than optimal, anything that might be defective or infected or um, any bacteria in your body, any like leftover virus or whatever that's not serving your body, your body can only clean itself out when it's not being fed. So we store toxins in our fat and when you get into that fat burning mode of, of, you know, you don't have any food in your system, sometimes you'll experience what's called... um, Oh shoot. What is it called? <laughs> the, the, you know, the headaches and, and those like feelings of being sick because your body is detox Oh, the detox effects, mm-hmm. you know, like when you first start keto or when you first start low carb or when you first go into a diet, you go, you go into the a keto detox. blues, the keto. Yeah. The keto blues. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, there's like a detox effect where people might even feel sick the first time that they get into or keto, f- keto flu, keto flu. That's what it's called. <laughs> blues. The blues. <laughs> Keto blues. <laughs> so I wonder where that came from. I, was like, I think that's right. <laughs> I'm like, just going to say it's right. Say anything with so enough close. confidence, my friends, and you might even believe it yourself. I almost did. I was like, that sounds so close to what it should be. <laughs> um, so the keto flu. But anyways, your body stores toxins in its fat. So when you can break down the fat, you might even not feel so great at first, but then you're going to func- you're going to feel so much better once you get those toxins out of your system. So, um, you know, even people who have early stages of cancer, they can do a fast. And the purpose of that is because cancer cells survive off of sugar. And if you're not giving your body any food, the cancer cells can't survive in that fasted situation, but your body will survive because your body can survive off of stored body fat. 
So, you know, there's tons of health benefits. It even shows that it can be it can help for people who have um, Parkinson's or any type of Alzheimer's or degenerative degenerative brain disease mm-hmm. because it allows for your body to clean itself out. And the reason why we get those those um, those brain diseases, I guess there's a, what do you call Alzheimer's? It's a neurological disease. Neurological. Yeah. So anytime you get a neurological disease, it's because you have plaque that's built up upon your neurons and it's slowing down your neural firing. So if your body can clean off the plaque and break down those extra proteins that it's not serving it, uh, that's going to be good for your brain health, you know, not just, <laughs> not just your belly fat, but <laughs> all do, the other, do you know what I picture for autophagy? What do you know that? Um, it's, it's like, um, dishwash cleaning fluid that has the little bubbles, but they have the scrubber brush on the underneath. No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Somebody out there is going to understand what I'm talking about. I'm imagining a bunch of little bubbles with a scrub brush on the bottom that are going all inside your body. <laughs> Autophaging you out. <laughs> Autophage. Yeah. So imagine that every time you're in a fast, there's these little bubbles with little scrum brushes on them in your body, just scrubbing with big it out. smiles on their faces. <laughs> just scrubbing it out. So, um, so yeah, so there's lots of benefits to fasting. People who have diabetes, they'll do a an extended fast to get rid of diabetes. Um, so, you know, and, and that's beyond the, the benefits of weight loss. That's for people that are really trying to fight a disease. They will go into days and days of fasting. And, and honestly, you guys, I've actually done something like that. I've done a 10-day fast at a camp in the Philippines. This is like so random. But just to throw it in there, just to show you guys, like I have done something that extreme. And it was so interesting because the first couple days, it sucks. Like you go through that keto flu I was talking about, you're hungry, you're you're irritable, you have headaches. Uh, it's awful. And I don't think I could have gone through it if I hadn't have been in a situation that was totally not my normal environment. Like I didn't have access to my kitchen. I didn't have access to anything other than being at this camp. So the first three days are really hard. After the third day of not eating anything other than water, it was seamless. It was, it was, I mean, I had zero hunger at one of, at one point there was, um, you know, cause some of the people at this camp are eating and stuff and you are around food. You're just not eating it. So even being around food, it was not hard. I had no desire to eat. And that's because your, your body gets into that fat burning mode and then it, it can find energy on your body to use. And you're no longer having those insulin drops. Essentially, that's what causes your hunger and your craving. So you're no longer having the fluctuations in insulin and you're pretty much in a constant state of fat burning. Now there is definitely a cap to how long you should fast and when it stops being beneficial, especially for just the purpose of weight loss. If your goal is fat loss, you really only need to fast for 16, 18 hours and you're, and you're really doing your body a favor. If you're, you know, in a point where you're trying to get rid of a disease or go through a complete, um, reset of like your body and getting rid of everything in there. Maybe you fast for a week or longer. It is possible, (laughs) but not necessary. All right. So if you're just looking for maybe a little boost to like, who is intermittent fasting good for? Maybe you have, um, maybe you think you're pre-diabetic or maybe you have intense carb cravings, or maybe you um, you crave anything. Like you're not good at knowing what your physical hunger feels like. If you're very uncomfortable with being empty or having that feeling of hunger, then intermittent fasting can teach you that 
you can go for a long period of time and not eat and your body will be more than okay. Yeah. And I think that's something that you had to get over, right? Just feeling like that you were, if you weren't constantly satisfied or Mm -hmm. close to it, that Mm -hmm. you were going to reach a point where you were just going to be like, oh my gosh, I have to eat all the food in the world. Yeah. And then we'd run into trouble, obviously. Yeah, exactly. So if you're someone that's not, you know, if you think, oh, I have to eat every two to four hours, like that's not necessarily the case. And the reason why I got to that point was because of um, my past of restrictive, restrictive dieting and feeling like whenever I got so restricted and so starved by the time I could eat again, I just didn't trust myself. So I was always afraid of becoming too hungry because I thought it was going to lead to overeating or a binge. And I was like, you know, so I associated that feeling of hunger with a negative outcome. But when you actually do the fast properly and you do it clean, meaning you don't intake anything like an energy drink or stevia gum or whatever, you just have water, black coffee or plain tea, then your body's insulin isn't triggered and you're not going to have that same like ravenous type of hunger that you would when you're eating sugars or something that is sugar like. So Um, yeah. So like recently when I started intermittent fasting again, I realized like it actually feels really good to be hungry. Like there's a power to being hungry and, and letting that, letting that feeling sit with your body and then dissipate. It's something that not only feels good, but actually is good because it, like we said, it allows your body to go into that autophagy mode where it's cleaning itself out, where it's working on repairs on the inside And I always also thought that, you know, you couldn't be in a extended period of time without eating because then your body is going to be in a, in a protein breakdown mode. And I'm always like, you know, working hard to build the muscle. It's all want to lose the muscle. But, uh, research shows that when you're in a fasted state, your body actually increases HGH, which is human growth hormone. And that leads to the release of glucagon, which breaks down your fat and puts bug glucose back in your system. But HGH is directly linked to muscle growth. And if you have more HGH in your system, you are generally a leaner person, generally less body fat and much more healthy. So, uh, so the only natural way to increase HGH in your body is actually through fasting. You can have, uh, what do you call it? An injection of HGH. You can have Mm -hmm. that people do that. Yeah. They do it for honestly, for the purpose of fat loss Mm -hmm. and for muscle gain. Yeah. And it's not healthy if you do it, you know, artificially, but you can naturally induce a spike of HGH through fasting a period of like, you know, 16 plus hours. So that whole idea that you have to have protein every four hours or something, or else you're going to be losing out on potential muscle gain, isn't necessarily true. And actually after reading some more research on this, a lot of people believe that as long as you're getting enough protein within a 24 to 48 hour window, your body will be more than okay with maintaining and potentially building muscle mass. Yeah. And particularly after it gets used to an eating schedule like that. Mm -hmm. And I can speak from a little bit of experience there throughout all my college years, I worked out in the morning and I worked out in sort of the middle of the afternoon, just based on my class schedule. And I would get up at about five o'clock. I would probably have breakfast at five 30 and this would be anywhere from 300 to maybe five, 600 calories. So it wasn't anything crazy for a pretty active guy. But then 
And I would go through my two training sessions and I would get back at 7 or 8 p.m. in the evening and I would eat all of my calories, whatever I thought that I'd burned for that day mm-hmm. in that one meal in the evening. And I remember stressing out majorly thinking I got to hit my calorie goals because I'm going to wake up smaller tomorrow if I don't. <laughs> and then all that work would have been for nothing. But over time, and I mean, I missed that goal so many times. Um, I woke up in the morning and the next day and I was like, oh, well, you don't look too much. You know, you don't look smaller. You still have biceps. Um, <laughs> you didn't um, waste away overnight. I didn't waste away. And it took me a few a embarrassingly long time to realize that um, those numbers aren't crazy important. And it was honestly probably because in the space of, like you said, 24 hours, 48 hours, I was hitting my protein goals. I was hitting my overall calorie goals. It didn't mm-hmm. have to happen. All within that window, just pretty close to it. And over time, my body just got better at at living that way. I didn't suffer from any energy um, sort of deprivation in my workouts. I was able to push hard. And at the end of those, well, it's just longer than four years. I'm not going to tell you how long. Um, I actually made some pretty significant gains in, in muscle mass and strength. Yeah. And like when I first met Steven, I thought it was so weird because I am such a breakfast person and like a snack person. And whenever we would go out, you know, for an all day trip or visiting some, you know, family, whatever, like he just wouldn't eat lunch or snacks or anything. And I was like, what, how do you survive? Like, how oh, do you, you were livid. You were just like, <laughs> eat food with me. Dang it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I didn't want to be the only one that was like eating. And, and I was just honestly like, I'm not hungry. I don't need to like yeah. <laughs> at this point I've been doing it for four years. So yeah, but I didn't understand. I was like, I thought it was totally unhealthy to save most of your calories for one large meal and a day until I read this book, The Fast Feast Repeat, and realized that a lot of people actually prefer to live that way for health reasons. And, um, and, and so now I'm thinking, and for girls, it is different for, apparently they say for gentlemen, it is easier to fast for longer hours and girls do find it more difficult. And maybe that's a difference in our hormone levels. I'm not quite sure. I'll have to do more research on that, but I, I am going to try and do this for the rest of July of the, at least a 16 hour fasting window. And the cool thing about it too, is like, it's not super strict, you know, as long as you're doing a couple a couple days where you're, where you're, where you're not putting any food in your body for a long period of time, you're going to be going into that fat burning autophagy mode and doing your body some favors. So for me, I think what I'm hoping to get out of it is just that, that, that knowing that I'll be more than okay with, with a skipped meal, or if you have a long day where you can't eat anything, like it's more than okay. And maybe even beneficial. And that's why I was like, I think so many of my clients would really love this approach to eating because a lot of them tell me like, I don't have time to meal prep. I don't have time to eat on my work break. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, it's not necessary. You can do two meals a day, get on all your calories in those two meals and just not eat anything else during that time that you're fasting. And I'm thinking that this might be something that a lot of people will really enjoy. And when it comes to intermittent fasting, I have a theory that it's really meant for two types of people. Either the person that is has is not good at dieting at all and like has no idea how to eat healthy and just needs a place to start you know, they don't know how to count calories or macros or like they're so confused about what healthy eating is. They can start with intermittent fasting and simply by limiting the time you're allowed to eat, not what you're eating, but just the time period, you can, you can get some good results from that to start. Right. Cause you're going to have a harder time eating all of your 
calories in a small window. Right. At least most of us. Right. For someone like my dad, I'm like literally about to go recommend Not him this book. Not to name any names. <laughs> Excuse me. He won't, he won't hear this one. I don't know if he listens to the podcast. Maybe. He hasn't said. But I, I'm thinking, you know, this will be great for him because he struggled so much over the years with all these different diets since the 80s and 90s and has never really been able to successfully keep weight off. And uh, is not someone who likes to eat breakfast, so I'm thinking, you know, I might try and recommend this style of intermittent fasting to him and seeing if it doesn't if it doesn't get him started in the right direction. And you'll find that naturally, when you go for long periods of time without eating and you just delay your eating window, your body is not going to crave junk food when you the same. It's it's just not because your body wants nutrients. Your body wants nutrient dense food. So if you are physically hungry, you're not going to run to a potato chip bag. You're most likely going to run to grab a piece of fruit, grab some, some whole food that actually can physically make your body think, okay, I have nutrients in me. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's really interesting about the fasting. It's naturally corrects your appetite. Yeah. So it's a great tool to help you learn how to eat intuitively, which is what we talked about in our very mm-hmm. last podcast. If you haven't, go check it out. Yeah. It teaches you what physical hunger is rather than emotional or... Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have some of those those cravings and those addictions to maybe chemicals and foods that you just have eaten too much over the years, um, a lot of that gets stored in our fat, like we said. So when you're burning the fat, you're also burning a lot of those stored chemicals. And mm-hmm. by extension, you're getting rid of those cravings for foods that yeah. you know, are probably not quite what you should be filling the calories that you do have in the windows that you have to eat with. Yeah. And, uh, I think that, I think everyone can benefit from trying out a day of, you know, maybe a 16 hour to a 24 hour fast. Uh, it would be interesting, you know, just to see what it feels like and to prove to yourself like, Hey, it's possible. Uh, and I will say that the difference for me of of what makes it easier or not is sticking to purely water, black tea, black coffee, because you don't want anything that spikes your insulin or gives your body the idea that food is coming in. And as long as you're sticking to like a very clean fast of literally just water, you should be more than okay with going, you know, 16, 18, 20 hours without food. Mm -hmm. And I would add one thing to the list there, and this is mostly for the gym rats, probably the gentlemen, but your BCAAs are going to count here too. So as those in don't take them. as in don't take yeah. those will break your clean fast mm-hmm. and most of those are flavored anyways. So even if BCAs didn't have calories, which they do, even though the label says no, mm-hmm. they actually do. Um, then this would lead to that insulin response that we talked about earlier. So no yeah. BCAs. Yeah, the cra- Yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter what what if it's if it's calorie free. It's just if it has a flavor to it, your brain responds to it as though it were real sugar. Um, and you're not going to lose your muscle anyways. We already established that. So you don't need them. (laughs) You don't need the BCAs. You'll, you'll get the protein in later. Uh, and then the second type of person that an intermittent fasting diet might be really good for other than the complete newbie is the person who, who is very well aware of healthy eating, who has dieted in the past, who counts their macros, and they're just looking for that last five to 10 pounds of stubborn body fat to come off. If you already have a good sense of what your macros are and you, you know, you've been losing weight for a while, but you hit a plateau, intermittent fasting might be a good step for you as well, because it helps you stick to a low calorie diet without having food constantly be on your mind. It sort of takes away the cravings and it just, as soon as your fasting period starts, you're just, it's simple. You just don't eat, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to think about food. You don't have to think about what should I have now? That's, that's going to fit my macros. You're just done eating for that time. Once your window opens, you get all your meals again. And it just sort of, uh, it also 
allows your body to be in a pure fat burning mode without a, without a break, without a sugar spike, without the temptation of, you know, potentially eating during your fasting time. Mm -hmm. So those are the two people I'd say intermittent fasting would be great for. And, uh, okay. So now who is intermittent fasting not good for someone that, uh, has no idea, like, you know, maybe, in order to, to actually lose weight and intermittent fast, you do have to know how much energy you're taking in. So if you have no idea how many calories you're intaking and you and you have a small weight loss goal, you probably want to start with counting your macros and understanding what your energy level balance currently is. And this applies to anybody that is thinking of doing any diet. Yeah. <laughs> your macros are going to come first. If you simply don't have the knowledge, then no diet is for you. Yeah. You need to find out generally first what is going to work for you. And then that's your baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could get lucky and lose weight, but you know, you oh, do you will lose weight because you'll probably err on the side of not eating nearly enough. <laughs> Yeah. Because you have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Or, and that's the thing too. So intermittent fasting is not good for anybody with an eating disorder. So someone that is, has a tendency to undereat, or someone who has a tendency to binge eat, intermittent fasting is going to play on those behaviors. And while, um, it's confusing because some people think that intermittent fasting sounds like an eating disorder. Cause it's like, Oh wow, you don't eat all day long. Isn't that an eating disorder? But but it's not because they're they're not eating for that spirit that amount of time those 16 18 20 hours but then they are eating their their um what their what their energy needs are at those couple of meals that they do eat they're making up for it right it's not restrictive at the end of the process exactly you're not completely under eating and say, and for someone that has a tendency to overeat it could drive that behavior of like oh my God, I have to fit in all my calories within these five hours, within these six hours. Like I better just eat as much as possible. And that like, to be honest, that was me when I first did intermittent fasting. But now that I, I started with those, first of all, now I'm giving myself a generous eight hour eating window, not like something super small, four to five hours to start. And then also not being super restrictive in my calories. So I kind of just eat at maintenance during my window. And then the fasting becomes pretty easy actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then another type of person that it's probably not great for is like a really high performance athlete. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. So if you're basically competing, whatever it is, whatever your sport is, and you're expending a lot of energy and there's probably a team counting on you or something like that, you're not going to be able to afford to really undernourish your body, whether it's for long-term health benefits or not. You need the fuel and you need it in the moment. So that's not going to be a good avenue for you. Yeah. So, you know, how do you exercise on a fast is a great question. And based upon what I've researched... Less intensely. Yeah. Less intensely for sure. Like, like, you know, it's better to go slower and, and, and get it in at a rate that you feel comfortable, but also as long as you're doing it close to your eating window. So either exercising during the eight hour eating window is good or right before you break it. So if you're going to do fasting and then exercise fasted, as soon as you're done with your workout, you really want to eat that meal within, you know, one to two hours and make it be the largest meal that breaks your fast. And Steven's talked about this and his fasted cardio podcast and his fasted cardio YouTube episode about, you know, is fasted cardio technically better or worse? And it's totally fine to do your cardio fasted. Totally fine. Unless like he said, you're a performance athlete and you're trying to break a record, you'll want to eat something. 
But yeah, and, and if you didn't watch that video, the conclusion really was it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's whatever you feel better doing and whatever allows you to perform better. Mm-hmm. So me personally, I'd rather go in the gym or go to the game or whatever it is and be able to push as hard as I possibly can for that session. And then and, and then that's it rather than go there and know that I half-assed it because I didn't give myself the energy that I needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe I burned fewer calories than I could have or I didn't score the goal that I should have scored, whatever it is. Yeah, so you're saying you prefer to eat beforehand you work out? Personally, no. I feel better when I don't, Mm -hmm. and I know that just from years of personal experience doing both. Just for anyone that's considering doing something like fasted cardio out there or fasted exercise in general, Mm -hmm. pay close attention to how you actually feel. You know, Give yourself a week trying each one so that Mm -hmm. you have enough to go off of. and See what you prefer. Yeah, see how you perform. Yeah. So if you're someone that likes your exercise sucks during being fasted, then just, you know, maybe you work out at like two or 5 PM sometime in your eating window. And if you're someone like Steven or myself, maybe you work out right before you break your, your fast. So you do it fasted, but then you try and eat something pretty soon after. And both of those things, your body should be totally okay with. Uh, it's really just personal preference at that point. And, um, yeah, so, so to be clear, take the pressure off yourself thinking that you're doing something amazing for your fat burning goals mm-hmm. by doing any type of exercise fasted. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, and so going back to that idea that like, you know, maybe you shouldn't do interfast, intermittent fasting if you're someone who tends to overeat when given the chance. Um, uh, it's not that you can't do intermittent fasting. It's that you have to you have to understand, like you have to play with it. You have to tweak it until you're in a, in a window that's comfortable for you. So for me, I think my problem was I tried to make my window too short when I first began and it was too nerve wracking to like when my window closed, like, Oh, I'd be scared. I couldn't eat anything after. So it's better to just start like we were talking about in the beginning, maybe just do a 12 hour fast, do something really, really doable, and then try to push the hours to 14, 16 plus once you're good at it. And it'll become easier over time. And once you, once you understand that like, it's okay to be hungry and when your window closes, it's really not that big of a deal, then naturally you're going to start to enjoy the IF more and those overeating tendencies will go away. And pay attention to the foods that you do gravitate towards because those are going to be the foods that your body really wants. And Mm -hmm. even if you decide that intermittent fasting isn't for you forever, you should probably still take those foods and continue to eat them over the rest of your life. Yeah, because what Stephen's getting at is that once you get good at intermittent fasting, the foods you're gravitating towards are going to be wholesome, nutritive foods. They're not going to be the foods that you're going to want to binge on anyhow. <laughs> so I guess in, in to, and to end all of this is that I wanted to maybe give you guys some tips and tricks on how to start your fast. So start small, start with maybe like a 12 hour window. If that sounds really easy for you, start with a 16 hour fast. Most importantly, make sure it's a clean fast. Make sure you are not cheating by doing BCAs or flavored gum or creamer in your coffee. Make sure it's absolutely clean water, tea, black coffee. All right. That'll make it easier. Um, try to have a per, like a busy day plan. So the first time that you do it and you want to, you know, you really want to distract yourself from bringing at home near the kitchen, try and start your day with a long hike. That'll help also deplete your glycogen storages and get into that fat burning mode faster. Maybe do a long run, maybe go, um, like do something enjoyable outside, whatever it is that you like have, 
a house activity, like, you know, maybe a house project you've been putting off painting the painting a fence or something like have a planned activity for that day. That's going to get your mind off of eating. Yeah. Or if you're thinking we're in quarantine right now Mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard to get away from the house, Mm -hmm. then maybe just set yourself up on the laptop somewhere other than your kitchen. Yeah. Have a book that you're going to read. Do something that's going to pass the time that you're not going to worry about, you know, the fasting. And you're going to realize that when you, when you close the idea of having a meal for the day, you can get a lot done and it'll be easier to, to stay focused on your project because you don't have to take a break to go eat. Yeah. (laughs) That's one less thing. thing to worry about. One less thing to worry about. Um, less cleaning, less cooking, all good stuff. So once you, and then, you know, starting small and having activities that get your mind off of food is going to help you get through that initial day of fasting. And once you do that first day, like, I think you're going to know that, oh, it's possible for me to successfully fast for this amount of time and then just play with it. It doesn't have to be every day. Maybe it's two days a week. Maybe it's three days a week and then you go up, you know, you see where I'm going with this. You just start small and then you get better and better at it. Do some research, do some research, check out the benefits of fasting on your own. And that's what really sold it to me because outside of the weight loss, don't we all want to, you know, live longer with better quality lives. And if fasting is one of the, it's one of the most ancient worldwide ways to do it. I mean, people have been fasting since the beginning of humanity. It's, it's really the more natural way of eating, right? To fast and then feast. Yeah, it almost goes back to the, the hunter-gatherer days. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and religions all over the world do it. And it, it's just like we have only recently decided that we need breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. That's a recent invention of human society. More a product of convenience and sort of the dawn of agriculture. Right. So go do your research and see like, you know, maybe is fasting something you want to try? Check out this book, Fast Feast Repeat. Um, DM me and Steven if you guys have questions. And check out our last podcast on intuitive eating and counting macros because that's going to be a great tie into this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, you know, this is something that I'm, I'm currently experimenting with. And, uh, if you guys have any interest, if intermittent fasting is something you've thought of, or maybe tried in the past, but didn't do a clean fast, maybe this is something you can give another go. I will be doing this for the rest of July. And at the end of this month, I'm excited to, to give you another analysis of what I think of intermittent fasting. And I will be doing some form of this for the rest of forever, most likely. (laughs) True and true. Hardcore IFR. <laughs> All right, you guys. So as always, thanks so much for tuning in. Yes. We will catch up with you guys next Monday. Mm-hmm.